to INS, the International News Service, your source for the most important weird news from across the globe, with news analyst Kevin Harrison, actor, comedian, and musician Mike Wiebe, and professional commentator Brian Camp. INS, the news you need. Let's keep going. Into the future. <laughs> hey, so I wanted to tell you guys this is not this is not advertising, but okay. Uh, apparently, well, why, what? they're hosting the first annual Frog uh, Loveland Frog Festival <gasps> on March fourth at the Great Wolf Lodge Convention Center in Mason, Ohio, or Conference Center in Mason, Ohio. Why does Mason get to have Loveland's? I don't know. They like it's like a fifteen minute drive. It's right around the corner. Loveland better get paid off for this. Maybe Loveland doesn't have the convention space that Mason has. Do you think that they would give out at least discounted Loveland frog tattoos there? Oh, yeah, probably. Well, I'm concerned. There's a list of speakers here, and none of them are mm-hmm. us. And that that is concerning. Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's concerning. Yeah, well, it's the and first do, one. Do, if they, it seems like they should have some bands playing, too. And I would like to go down there and perform, considering I've written an entire album based around the Loveland Frog. <laughs> oh, man. What, what is that that's album not called? a bad idea. The album is called Witchcraft and Ribbits. <laughs> <laughs> What a good name. It's a mere $10. So, you know, it is a a deal as far as I'm concerned. And we would scholarship one of our many Ohio listeners who living in Ohio are desperate for anything to do. Yeah. That is is true. Porking their moms. Having just spent two weeks in Ohio, (laughs) both rural Ohio, but still, that was kind of true. And and what happened there with your mom? (laughs) Wait, what? And they don't like to talk about it. Do we have any? Hey, let's let's give a shout out. Okay. Do we have any Ohioan listeners who want to go to this? We will buy your ticket. Oh, one it, one person. I think our one of our original greatest and most dear listeners is in Ohio right now, desperate to get to Mason. Barack Obama. <laughs> I don't think referenced that's right. him a lot lately. <laughs> Strangely, <laughs> he's a fan of the show. I didn't know that. Oh, he's on the Patreon. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, he we inspired him to do his little talk show with Bruce Springsteen. Not heard it pronounced that way, but I suppose that could <laughs> well, be. Only one of us has ever met him or, you know, yep, been written That's about true. by him. So yep. Mike would know. Oh, and uh, yet another Mike brush with fame. And, well, it was a brush with fame for Bruce. And another <laughs> another <laughs> maniacally <laughs> arrogant moment for Mike. Is <laughs> he... It's not narcissist. It's just, it's this, it, it is almost, I don't know what to call it. Bruce is an incredibly talented uh, person, mm-hmm. but let's face it. That's he's, very generous of you to say. Yeah. Oh yeah. But let's face it. He's one threat. He's singing. <laughs> That's guitar too. Yeah. He does play guitar. And guitar. And he's a musician. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at me. I've got music. I've got acting. I've got <laughs> movie producing. Yeah. I've got the sound bathing thing. No, oh, well, that wow. is a good point. That right. is something you have on him. Um, oh, I, I bet have, he could do good sound bathing with his guitar, though. I have three very rare issues of Doctor Strange. <laughs> God damn it. It's God damn it. And a brand new fourth <sighs> one that's pretty. Oh. So it's not like I'm saying, like, I'm not trying to take anything away from what Bruce Springsteen does. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I do more things. Interesting. Okay. Wow. You know? Some mm. people might say that. Mm. A lot of yeah. people, yeah, yeah. Well, you have an unfair advantage. I don't know that he has. I don't know that he's an amulet, an amulet bearer. Well, he, no, he's yeah. He does not have an amulet bearer, which he did not. But and I don't even know if he's participated in the contest of champions. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume not. I did just. Uh, I was in uh, Long Beach, California, LBC, over the weekend. The yeah. LBC. Yeah. Well, uh, how did that go? Was, it was a great time. I got to see, I got to be on a show with one of my favorite bands, Rocket from the Crypt, and they performed Damn, one of my favorite good. albums from front to back. Oh, that's awesome. Now, it was fucking awesome. Nice. Did they embrace all of the peculiarities of that album when they played it? What do you mean? What is, what is the last track, Glazed? Is that what it is? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It goes yeah. on. Did they Somebody, really... yeah. 
somebody uh, lit up an amazingly large joint. <laughs> they smoked a bunch of it on stage and uh, handed it out to the crowd. Well, good for wow, nice. Yeah, man, it was a real hoot. And then I was just in Kevin's area, uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, where he did not come to support my performance. Um, my car is in the shop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, sure well, is. they haven't been in any other way to get around. No so way. I mean, I, no I'm not, there. I, right. I can't walk to Dallas. Yeah, there was. Oh, yeah. Well, but but no, just not like it's not INS canon that we haven't heard about the train you took down there all the time. <laughs> yeah, you do talk about that train a lot. You live close to the yeah, station. It's fucking, you know, it stops running at 10. The How was I going to get home? You made and zero while you go, And while you're on the train, you watch that scene from Risky Business where Rebecca DeMornay and... Uh, and uh, Tom Cruise, fuck, quote, fuck on a choo-choo. <laughs> no comment. And uh, me and Ian played with uh, Off With Their Heads. Nice. And wow. we're performing tonight at the far, tomorrow night, at the Far Out Lounge. And by tomorrow night, I mean three weeks ago or something like that. Okay. Like still. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, we're, nice. who knows? Well, we're a little in the past. This might be an episode for the future or the past. Yeah. How's that going with Ian? You still having fun? Yeah, doing real it? good. We're starting to figure yeah. out a little bit of a little little bit of a thing for it. It's real. Uh, it's nice to have. A, it's called the side hustle. Yeah, and I believe good we name. will have music out for it in the next three months. Nice. Oh, you recorded some stuff. We have one thing recorded. We have one thing recorded. All originals, nice. or are you going to record some covers? Or Oh, uh, I think there'll be some covers and just a little bit of everything. I would okay. like to right. do a lot of originals, but uh, right. we'll see. We've got some good good covers. Very well, nice. to the listener, I highly recommend if you get an opportunity to see Mike and Ian's side hustle. It is yeah. a raucous good time. Thank you. Uh, critics have said boffo. Wow. Big, a big fan of, of my work, Mr. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Singular threat. Bruce <laughs> Springsteen. There it is. <laughs> Unearned confidence. Huh? Oh, I, I want you guys to know, even though it was a couple of weeks ago, it was like a month ago now, is it maybe six weeks ago, Mike joked about our subreddit. One of our uh -huh. listeners went out and created a subreddit for us. Well, it's got well, well. R slash INS pod. It's got there's surveys on there. There's uh seasoned fun discussions about us mm -hmm. and uh right. so i, I want to recommend i don't know if you guys have subreddits but i recommend going out there as well as our listeners they're welcome as well i'd like to think that it's entirely peopled by by people who used to visit the now banned racist subreddits <laughs> yeah and people who, who want to spat off on how much they hate fat people <laughs> There's no, there's no Oops. body shaming or shame, shaming of any other no. kind. On well, our, I'll, I'll change that real quick. I've gotten on there. I like it. I, I think we're gonna. Yeah. I think we've got a real little online community in the making. Man, there's decent people listen to this. Yeah, no, I've had multiple. I feel bad for I, I, them. I've gotten recognized <laughs> for the podcast uh -huh. at the last several shows that I've done. Nice, it mm -hmm. feels so good. Now, did they know know that you were in the bands or? comedy happening on stage as well or they're like oh you do comedy no no they just would come up and go like hey i know i know After 15 uh, minutes of the stand-up you do comedy <laughs> yeah well, i've had that happen before but uh but these people were just like hey love the podcast nice oh man i've gotten two new patients because of the podcast so it's working really? for me too yeah, and and are, are the how are they doing? I mean, one of them's with us. I'm not, so. gonna, I'm not gonna ask for your names. I don't want to break confidentiality. Right. But are they how how no. do they has what's their no. conditions? You know, confused chakra, a little a little misaligned, but we're mm. getting it together. <laughs> so mm. you know, wow. it's a scary thing for them. But yeah, I think the I think the the international news service has helped them center their being and given them kind of an anchor to hang on to as yeah. this chaotic world swirls around yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, they need you need a focal point, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like ringing the Kwonging bell. <laughs> yes. Standing above it. Yeah. Yes. It centers, yes. you know, it gives mm -hmm. you a, a rock. Mm -hmm. Or as Sean Connery would say, a rock. He took part in the Battle of Champions. Yeah, oh, yes, he did. Mm -hmm. He lost his head. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we've got two news stories, a uh -huh. bonus story for our Patreon listeners, and mm -hmm. Mike has a new story for us. And get to know your podcast. Mm. Pretty exciting. Have stuff. We oh wait, I didn't anyone, do an intro, did I? People don't know who we are. Oh yeah, who yeah, the fuck welcome, are we? Welcome to the International News Service. We're your hosts. I'm Kevin Harrison, along with Brian Camp, and I am keeper of the flame, holder of the storm, the first man living and the last man standing. 
A guy with BDE. Big, big Duolingo energy. Ooh. <laughs> well, in that case, sure. Mike Weeby. Mark Ryan is not with us. I'm not sure mm. where he is. He's hanging out with those with podcasts he likes better than ours. I did see a friend and should be future guest of the podcast, Scott Cox, there, though. Ooh. Oh, not one but two. He's going to be mad at this now. He's never going to listen once he hears that. I don't know. It bothered him. Man. Yeah. I feel bad. That's not the first time in my life I've realized that I've picked up on something. He that, doesn't care that much, but you know. now I got to take all this out. I, he's probably on his on his acting resume, whatever they call that. I'm sure he lists himself as 35. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, our yeah. friend Scott Cox, who's 32, the same age as me. Mm-hmm. My acting resume has my age as the infinity symbol. <laughs> callback after callback. That's good. Not the typical callback. A true callback to set to perform in the thing that you didn't even have to audition for because they saw the impressive mm-hmm. note that is that I use mm-hmm. film terms correctly, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Are no. you going to correct me? Your Foley work is terrible, Brian. Have you been hearing breathing sounds? Because that's not me. <laughs> that's called Axel Foley work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. That's how you can tell if someone's really good at piano. Is yeah, that's just waiting that for it to come back. <laughs> that's the only way to tell. People are always, uh, you know, ah, fucking Beethoven. Beethoven couldn't play Axel F. <laughs> right. No. He was good for when he was around. Yeah, yeah. But people but are way better now. He wasn't play Axel F good. No. He had to rely on other instruments. Come on. Yeah. You know, he was, he was actually... Uh, a composer more than a piano player. I mean, he could play piano, but he was a composer. I played the harpsichord, the worst instrument. It, it's the sound of the worst era of cartoons. I mean, mm-hmm. the harpsichord. Yeah. Mm. yeah like, okay. I'm going to hear comedy that I don't think is funny. That's coming. I'm going to hear that soon. What, what is comedy you don't think is funny? Give us an example. The Big Bang Theory. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's well, not that's, that funny. No harpsichord. Well, there's not a harpsichord in that. Yeah, I mean, I've never. I, watched bet, I bet. I bet you thousand dollars an episode that involves a harpsichord. I'm not going to take that bet because I've, I've really seen maybe one episode and a few promos. You guys seen that new Night Court? Is that out yet? It's got John Larroquette in it. Oh no, I didn't know. And apparently, <laughs> uh, someone who was in the hit TV show The Big Bang Theory, Marky Post. That's why it was. Kind of, no, she's dead. What? It, it's crazy. Yeah, no. I think like John Larroquette is li- literally the last living member of Night Court. Oh no, Bull's eighty five. He's yeah. eighty five. He just turned eighty five. Happy birthday, Richard Mole. And the Velvet Fog is still alive. No, he's he's Mel Torme has been dead a long time. How hard would it be for me to become a bailiff? I mean, you have I to mean, be a sheriff's deputy, basically, right? Uh, you'd be a constable, deputy constable. You gotta what do become. I, what do I gotta uh, do? Like go fill out a form or something? Gotta go to an academy. You gotta be yeah. a peace officer. Academy, the right stuff, the right price. So I go to Academy Sports Center and I yeah. buy a uh-huh. uniform, sure. fill out the they application. Uh-huh. Huh? A, a bailiff's what uniform. I I, and then and then I just go. Everybody rise, the honorable uh, Gerald T. McFarlane is now presiding. Can you make wisecracks? to someone quietly under your breath that only they'll hear but they'll laugh at yeah oh yeah that maybe somebody just a few feet further away would hear as well yeah but no one else would hear yeah if you can do that then you mm. probably can be a bailiff yeah. i think that's the rule it is a, i think it I, is people, a I think it's pretty good i'm pretty good at like you know on the spot mm-hmm. workplace improv yeah can you comically fumble for a gun oh if you, yeah that's i think another rule my weapon will be discharged on accident marsha warfield's still alive <laughs> Roz Russell. No, she's that's her daughter. That's Marsha Warfield Jr. Marsha Warfield is a lesbian. Lesbians can't have daughters. I mean, she can, could, but jeez, Kevin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe we just get to the stories. Yeah, I feel like Jesus Christ. Okay. First, your thing okay. about people of size right. and now this is making me uh, it's very just, uncomfortable. Just, yeah, but I, uh, I, I'm sorry. This this episode brought to you by Pat Robertson and the religious right. <laughs> The, more, the 700 Club. Uh, now, we're, now we're back at our demo. Let's talk, let's talk more about Pat Robertson. So our first story <laughs> comes to us from The Hill. Ah, The Hill. Which one? Mm, Henry? Uh, uh, the, 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 All my life, life I wanted to be a gangster. Bonk, 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 Henry bonk, Hill. Bonk, bonk, bonk. This is uh, the Washington, D.C. Hill. Mm. Capitol Hill. 
not a bad paper, not a bad source of the news, actually. Really? I like that. Well, well, what, what comics do they have? Shoe. <laughs> I like shoe. Mallard Fillmore. The Cats and Jammer Kids. <laughs> do they have Prince Valiant on Sundays? Cats and Jammer Kids. We might have talked about this. It is, it's a funny reference. I don't even know what it is, but I it's only a, know to say it because it's a, a reference that somebody else would might, might make that is funny. I don't know what it is. It's a 1920s. Oh, I need to catch okay. up, but apparently, I maybe need to do a whole Get to Know Your podcast on Funky like Winker Bean. Oh, that guy retired. Well, apparently, Funky Week Winker Bean is still going, and now it takes place in the future. Can you believe that? Wow. We do need to talk more about Funky Winker Bean. Okay, so before we talk about Funky Winker Bean, let's get into mm-hmm. the story. So, as I think everyone knows, the 2023 session of the U.S. Congress got off to a rocky start. But there is at least one congressperson who is doing things right. Now, uh, I just want to say for context, in the U.S., each elected official must take an oath where they place their hand on one or more important texts. Important texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people choose the Bible or the Constitution. But you can choose you know what, what I would choose. <laughs> That's what, what would you What's choose? That, Mike? Mike? I would choose both. I would actually. I would. I would do both hands. Well, no, you have to have one hand up. I would. I would. I would do one hand up. I would do right hand uh-huh. on the Bible, left hand up, and then I go. And then they go okay, and I go. I'm doing it again. And then I would do left hand, uh, uh, right hand up, left hand on the Constitution. Okay. And then I would flip flop because I don't want I don't want any of the powers to not be fully. I want both sides to be equal. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. you need the Bible and Constitution power flowing through both sides of your body. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, as as I think Mike pointed out in some way, you mm. can really choose whatever documents are important to you in order to take the oath. Mm. So, incoming Representative Robert Garcia of California chose to be sworn in on a stack of documents that were important to him. This stack was comprised of a copy of the Constitution, photos of his parents who he lost to COVID-19, his citizenship certificate, and the Library of Congress's copy of Superman number 1. Representative Garcia, who moved to the U.S. from Lima, Peru when he was five, and who describes himself as a comic book nerd, said, quote, I learned to read and write English by reading comics as a kid. If you look at Superman's values and Caucus values, it's about justice, it's about honesty, it's about doing the right thing, standing up for people that need support. The copy of Superman number one was protected by a Mylar sleeve and was given a police escort. Representative Garcia, however, did not comment on why he chose Superman number one over Doctor Strange. That's what I was about to say. (laughs) I mean, what the fuck? I have a question. Yes. As I hear this. Okay. I think this would have been a much better story if it had been an elaborate ruse to steal the Library of Congress's issue of Superman's. The idea of, like, I'd watch that movie. You get elected to Congress just to demand that you're going to, you want to swear in on the Gutenberg Bible and any other valuable text that I can't think of right now, but I know is referenced a lot in movies. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if you were to go, and nobody's going to because it's fucking Superman number one. But I would bet that if you were to go and open that Mylar sleeve, uh-huh. that graded plastic uh, stacking, I think they call it, and pull out that comic and add that with that cover of Superman number one, you'd like, oh, whoa, this cover seems brand new. And then you would open it up and the entire contents would be a funky winker being comic. <laughs> and the real Superman number one would be, you know, has been sold off to some sketchy right. businessman somewhere. Wow. There are only about a hundred copies of Superman number one in the world in any condition. Well, we know about. I mean, there could be two. Let's say there's 200. There's still not very many. You know what? There might be 300. What do you, what do you have to say to that? Kevin. Okay, so there might be three. I doubt how it. Think, but there how could many be did they press? I wonder. So the listener doesn't know this, but 
I am a scholar on the mm-hmm. early history of Superman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now Published the listener scholar. knows, but the listener still doesn't care. I think it was around. I think it was around. <laughs> I think it was, it was a lot. It was not, like nice. two hundred and fifty thousand, but I I don't yeah. remember exactly two hundred fifty thousand. But the the cover was color, but the pages were black and white back then. No, they were all. It was all color. Really? Yeah. I had to cost a pretty penny for ten cents. Not how much each for back in the day, though, to print that many copies of a comic that hadn't even sold a single issue. But Superman was already a hit. Oh, oh, how's that? Okay, okay. Well, I've, I've, I'm going to tell you something, then I have a question. But uh, because Superman first appeared in Action Comics number one, but Mm -hmm. there are only about a dozen copies of Action Comics number one, so I doubt that the Library of Congress has one of those. I thought that was Superman number one. Now I'm confused. So did I. Which is the one that's yellow. That has him like lifting a car over. That's his head Action like that. Comics number one. Yeah, there's a guy That's like close up going. Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. It's like bigger than Superman <laughs> on there is a close up of a guy's face and he's going because ah! the dude's lifting up a car, which is crazy because people lift up cars all the time now. It's not even like yeah. a big deal. No, right. the publisher it's not even like that heroic, you know, like Axel F and Beethoven. The publisher yeah, banned true. Superman from the cover of Action Comics because he said he looked at what they drew and he goes, this is impossible. Nobody believed this. And Superman wasn't allowed to be on the cover until he found out all like Action Comics is just selling like crazy. And he started asking newspaper vendors and he's like, oh, all the kids are asking for the book with Superman in it. So the next year he gave Superman his own comic. Wow. Yeah. Was Action Comics originally not just about Superman? Was it about different action yeah, it, die it's, every week. It had no. It had. It was like an anthology, but it mm-hmm. a lot of it was the same characters. So Superman had a story every month. Oh, okay. I can't remember. I think his name is Mister E, which was another like of one of super super uh, Superman's creators' characters had like a feature every month, and there was some like written text for some reason that I think they did so they could send it cheaper through the mail. So when people say Superman number one, that's not what they're talking about. No, they're talking about Superman number one. Action Comics number one. That's the first appearance of Superman. Yeah, Superman Comics. But I right. thought that was what's that's the valuable one though, right? Or is, they're both crazy valuable. Which is which the one's most more? Valuable. The Action Comics one has Action to be Comics more. is like the most is like over a million dollars. Like well but there's, over. There's hardly any of those around, right? Yeah, there's only like like I said, like maybe a dozen. Huh. A cop, like a really nice copy of Superman number one a few years ago sold for a million, but like almost any copy of Action would sell for a million or more, like regardless of what condition it was in. Wow. Did Nicolas Cage have one of those? Well, see, this is what I was wondering. He had an Action Comics number one. And what mm-hmm. if that movie National Treasure was real and he snuck into the Library of Congress to steal well, it? Well, you know, like this is no joke. Like people broke into his house and stole his right. action number one and the, he hired private investigators to track him down and find him and he ended up getting it back yeah did he have him killed they were unable they were found with their tongues cut out <laughs> and their genitals removed that's a classic cage hit that's a cage hit what they call in, in uh, hollywood a cage hit well so going back to the story then here's this super valuable comic right there's only 200 of and it's right I get that it's sentimental Right. It makes a good story that he wants to swear in on that. But isn't it a giant pain in the ass for a bunch of people to pull that out of the Library of Congress and escort it? And don't you have to pay those guards? Isn't that taxpayer money being used no, for his, publi- salary. his publicity were, stunt? They didn't bring in extra guards. They just got Capitol Police to take it oh, over this is, take it back. This like, is they were already there. Classic waste of the taxpayer's dollar. <laughs> Do you think that there is envy any at any time there was a chance that he was going to use the comic uh, written by John Howard and it's called Horny Biker Slut? I I don't think I don't think he was hoping for it's from Buttman Comics. (laughs) No, that wasn't Uh, he. He never thought of that. No, he wanted to because I heard he wanted to use not actually number one, Horny Biker Slut number eleven. Why is that? uh, Which has the issue? It includes. Strange bedfellows, uh-huh. safe sex message. Oh, that's, that's you know healthy. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a story called male slut, but oh. male spelled M A I L slut. Ooh, it's got clever. two two five yeah, star was... reviews on Amazon. Well, you can go wrong with an Amazon review. Maybe that's what he intended to to do. I could see you could get those confused. Well, I didn't know that about old Superman. Did have any? Let me ask you this, Kevin. Have okay. any? Have any conservatives? piss their stupid fucking pants over this shockingly no because they 
This is again, this is like 10 days late, but the conservative thing right now that they're freaking out about is that Patton Oswalt, who won $50,000 on Jeopardy, missed one question that involved sports. Are there really? Yeah, no, they're freaking out about it. They're like, can you believe he missed this one question about, I don't even remember what it was, but it was the intersection. It was a movie question about where some sports team was from, and, uh, and he didn't get that one question. They're like, look how dumb he is. It's like, what an he won $54,000. What kind of real American man doesn't know where every sports mm. team is from? You know, I know you're a big fan of uh, the Battling Bathers. The Battling Bathers? I'd watch that team. They're from, uh, what is it? Mount Clemens Battling Bathers. Where's Mount Clemens? Is that I, another bogus Ohio location? Uh, Mount Clemens is in Michigan. Same place. Take that, Michigan and Ohio. Yeah. You know, they hate each other, right? They went to war. Yeah, I know. God, like the 1800s. Right. Didn't we talk about it? Didn't they go to war over Cincinnati or something? No, Cincinnati. Michigan got Michigan. South Michiganders got they the, went to, the Upper Peninsula. Right. They went to war over uh, Toledo. Mm, that's where Toledo was technically in the Michigan territory. Do you, Mike, you know who's from Toledo, right? Famous crossdresser Jamie Farr. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Remember when our parents used to force us in the 70s and 80s to watch that crossdresser show, MASH? I'm surprised, yeah, there isn't mm-hmm. a more retroactive uh, to-do about the... Because, the, I mean, that's like not being patriotic, trying to get out of your yeah. military service. And, cro- like, that's got to be a yeah. double whammy for both of that. I'm, su- I'm surprised that the right doesn't treat Jamie Farr like they did Jane Fonda. You know? <laughs> is there fair. any difference? We're putting yeah, it into that a, right now. There is a huge difference. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't see didn't one. do those things. Yeah, because Jamie so. Farr was worse. Yeah, you know what? I never okay. saw Jane. I never saw Jane Fonda when I was a kid, unless my mom put the workout mm-hmm. tape on. But Jamie Farr, we watched as a family every night of the week. Mm-hmm. What? Not only was Jamie Farr trying to, you know, get out of serving his country, True. he was also trying to turn my child with his homosexual agenda. <laughs> 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 it's active recruitment, Mash. Right. It's active right. recruitment. These are the he values wasn't recruiting that they're for the teaching. army. He was recruiting for and something else. If you let a child watch that, you were grooming them for Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. This is off track. But my guess is that the distinction that people are making between I think the idea was that Klinger was drafted into service in the Korean War. And I think we all should be very dubious of the So draft. what you're saying is that you you support the viewing of of Mash, but you're otherwise against uh, exposing children to trans no. lifestyles? I think Mash is a good show. You know who watched Mash just a couple times? Is that was RuPaul? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. It just happened to be on the doctor's you can office. Ask her. That's where it all fell apart yep. for her. Then you know, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but I do think that if there is a distinction between I don't like generational distinctions. I think it's mostly just kind of nonsense for goofy internet interest. But the fact that children's shows did, did not exist for us and we just watched old sitcoms is... Yeah. I think that's a fairly defining feature of... Yeah. We were single-digit years old when we were watching Hogan's Heroes and MASH yeah. and stuff. Because there wasn't else, anything else to put on. I mean, I was, was great. watching old Bugs Bunny when they were on. Yeah, but they weren't on all the time. You only got like an they hour on. of Bugs Bunny. That was Bunny. like a different yeah. hour. That was like in the... That was at, that was at like three to... You got to watch something after right. after five o'clock. Okay. And you ain't going to watch the fucking news. Now, fuck well, the news. Only, boring as hell. Yep. And isn't it the only reason that like Star Trek is hung on is that it was in syndication from five to six? Yeah, that would it would never be on now. It was only on on the weekends where I was when I was a kid, no, and then it was day. like, well, you lived in a real shit. Starting hole. in like '88, right. remember? And it was on yeah. every day. I, I say as the conservative now that we should get every conceivable piece of mash media, and that the most patriotic thing we could do, the most American thing we could do, is mm-hmm. get every copy of mash every digital file right every every piece of film right everything and take it out into a large large area and burn all right. of it and, well, we and like a large first. stone area with like maybe at the bottom of a bunch of steps uh-huh. and burn it and uh-huh. have everyone standing around chanting um i don't know something like freedom or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm 
What about after mash? Oh no, that stays. After yeah, mash is fine. fine. Okay, I get it. Because they show Pepper John MD commits suicide first episode. That's it's not true. So our next story comes to us from Vice. Oh, which one? Wrath. The collection of decorative thimbles. I wouldn't call that a vice. A vice. It is the way I do it. That's a, that's an obsession. So way back in episode 15, we talked about an antenna found in a New Jersey park that was supposedly a UFO detector. But mm-hmm. now something similar may be happening around Salt Lake City, Utah. It's near Provo. But it's closer to Salt Lake City. About a year ago, people began noticing strange devices in the <laughs> foothills around Salt Lake City. The devices are made of a fiberglass antenna, a battery pack, a router, and a solar panel, and they weigh 50 to 60 pounds or 23 to 27 kilograms each. The Salt Lake City Public Lands Department said it has pulled down at least a dozen of them because it's illegal to place any structures on public lands without permission. Stranger still, several of the antennas have popped up on remote peaks as high as 7,000 feet or 2,100 meters, and it's taken a team of skilled hikers to get them, which has left officials stumped as to how or why many of these mysterious antenna got to their locations. Apparently, the antennas have no identifying markings, and they've been bolted to the stone around them, making them difficult to remove. One theory is the antennas are rogue cell towers placed to boost signals, and another is that they are part of a cryptocurrency mining operation. For example, some crypto, uh, and I think helium is one of them, uses antennas to create a long-range, wide-area network. And the wider the network you create, the more crypto you're mining. But it's unlikely, since the cost of the equipment is probably more than it would ever mine in crypto. Uh, One investigator summed, summed things up by saying, quote, As long as it's not dangerous, we really don't care. We just want people to stop doing it so we can get back... To taking care of our lands. So they do care. Yeah. It's a liar. Classic. Oh, classic Utah. You know. I don't it, understand. So they don't know what they do at the they, end of the yeah, day. Yeah, there's just these it might uh, be antennas crypto. popping up around everywhere around Utah. All uh, that equipment has maker's marks and serial numbers in it. They could figure out where this stuff came from if they, they wanted to. They didn't seem to be investigating it very much from yeah. what I could tell. Why not? Like, I don't know if they're throwing it away after that or what, but they just Are we mostly... to believe that something more interesting is happening in Utah right now than mystery antennas bolted to the peaks of mountains? Yeah. Are you saying there's not something sinister happening there? I think it's the MIMS. Wait, what are the MIMS? Art Bell taught us about the MIMS. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the MIMS, Michael. It's complicated. They're aliens uh-huh. in the future that okay. we find out they're coming back in time to uh-huh. basically terraform the planet to their okay. liking. And there's Ooh. many, many people in the in the future as well that uh-huh. are time traveling to disrupt their time travel of trying to create these terraforming towers. So sounds like the MIM are at it again. How are they terraforming? What is different about their environment? as opposed to our environment, that a um, radio transmitter could uh, change. It's sweatier. <laughs> Real moist everywhere. Now, yeah, do, you, do you mean sweatier as in moist? Or do you mean sweatier as in, you know, a little randier? Both. They're pumping within those radio waves. is pumping out, you know, like real, real like shagadelic music, you know? Shagadelic? Yeah, music that once you want to shag a bird. <laughs> Wait, shag a bird? Yeah. So you mean a bird in a 60s British? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't mean something with feathers. Well, it's like a bag. Both, I guess. Um, I don't so, know. Wait, what? Mike, what'd you just say? Shaga bad. <laughs> That's how they talked back then. How would a proper, <laughs> proper English gentleman react to somebody saying, Shaga bad. Oh, dude. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't really understand how crypto is mined. Uh-huh. Why does it take so long? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Well, you know, because if it didn't take a long time, it might actually probably still not be worth anything. But it could be. It has to be somewhat elusive. If, if you could just right. create it endlessly, you know, I can draw. I can, what is, is it really? Is it just creating like making the blockchain really, really, really complicated? Is that what takes so long? Isn't it a? And maybe I'm wrong, but isn't it the idea that there's a it's a finite resource, and the initial mining of the resource is easier, and as time goes on the equations or whatever is being solved, whatever 
computations are being done become infinitely more complex, which is why why a somebody with a setup of like eight Xboxes could connect them on serial and successfully mine. And now that that's not a remote possibility. It, it is that depends. what's going on? It depends on the crypto. It depends on the algorithm involved. But but generally mm. speaking, like yeah, like I think this is sort of taking that idea and going, you know, let's 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 make it task oriented as opposed to just having you know you network a bunch of computers and create your own little mining operation at home. Right. Like get out, get out. You guys are all pasty white. Get outside and build some antennas and place them mm. around. It's probably a couple hundred dollars worth of equipment to do this. And it said it would take a team of a couple of several people to be able to accomplish it. So it, it's, it's not clear how you would be making money off it. I, I can look at what helium is worth right now, but it's not a whole lot. I wonder if crypto will ever come back. Ask me in five years. No, because I would like to know now so I can invest or not invest. <laughs> I want to be rich. I'm tired of not being get rich. It. Oh, okay. I get it. I sunk all my money in these fucking Jack Wharton movies. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of success there. They've been doing well. Yes, they have been very successful, but these fucking sanctions and embargoes are eating the eating my ass out. Ouch. <laughs> fucking fucking me in that ass out. Mm-hmm. Gotta mm-hmm. go back in and fucking digitally take out every flag. Give people. I can tell anyway. you're streaming through things that are okay to say. Yeah. <laughs> Helium is at three dollars and twenty cents, and it seems that's close to a tie mm. for, a for the last month. Oh, but what it's made been, Hindenburg blow up. I think a year ago it was about thirty-two dollars, and today it's three dollars and twenty cents. It's time to buy to the moon. So the mm-hmm. INS advice on on helium. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the camps camper advice <laughs> on helium seems to Was be bye bye bye. No, I'm not qualified to make any such recommendation. Bye bye bye. Mad money. Mad <laughs> money. So won't, isn't the only hope for crypto that some that a major currency, a major worldwide currency completely collapse collapses and in the wake of that collapse the people who typically rely on that currency switch out of necessity to crypto. I mean, isn't that the the only way I, that it's going to ever in our lifetimes catch on? I, I, I think it's hard to deny that it's caught on. I mean, it's, it is worth across all the cryptos, like billions and hundreds of billions, maybe even more than that of dollars. But realistically, you know, money isn't money is still an intangible in terms of what it is worth. But yeah, it's just saying like, hey, let's switch to another intangible. And maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's not. I just, there's no fun way to have this conversation. But a big part of the problem is that uh, a lot of the currency is, believe it or not, tied to right-wing extremism and manipulated by right-wing extremism and right-wing and uh, authoritarian governments. So, and then it's incredibly bad for the environment. But I know that's not a problem for you, Brian. I mean, only the strongest will survive. That's what's on <laughs> over the doorway into my reading nook. Your yeah. reading nook. I like the environment. I don't know if that's a surprise to you, Kevin. <laughs> are there any? Are there any coal-based cryptocurrencies? I mean, you know, you oh, can invest that would be in coal. So awesome! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you just want to invest in coal. There's coal derivatives. Just say, hey, I think coal's going up. I'm buying it. I'm buying some futures. I don't know. Listen, all I know is I watch trading places and I still don't understand the that's, stock market. That's or that's orange juice derivatives. It's totally different. All right. You got to get a man in a monkey suit. I know that. Well, yeah. yeah that, well, I've gotten that. A man in a monkey suit, Al Franken, a butler named Coleman, and you're ready to go. Well, I don't know. I, I do like mystery. I, I will say I do really like mystery devices. I like, I would, I would be happy to find a mystery device. Like the, okay. the German grenade butt plug yeah i would be happy to find one of those yeah. up my rectum damn near killed so our <laughs> next story is a bonus story that was impressive oh, man if you want to listen to this next story go to our patreon and subscribe to at least the three dollar level that's yes. the knights of kevin level and you get access to this and all of our other bonus stories we've got a lot up there now yeah and uh but i'll give you a little taste here and this is i think this is gonna appeal to our listeners it is this about taste is gonna it's gonna entice you yeah it's gonna just get it's like a little bit of 
a little bit of nectar on your on your tongue. It's about mm. ghosts straight from the honey pot. It's about the devil and it's about burning things. Oh, it sounds like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know this year a very popular resolution is people paying for things that they receive enjoyment from. So, mm-hmm. there's your opportunity pop- to yeah. make good and put yeah. a check in that box. Resolution down. Yeah, it wasn't a resolution that you had, listener, to stop giving so much to giant corporate entities and give to the people that are out there in the front lines struggling. Mm-hmm. Trying to bring you real news. But also doing a really good job and also being handsome and slightly immortal. I believe we have a new segment and get to know your podcast. Uh, you know, sometimes when we do this podcast, we occasionally reference things that uh, you might not know about so much because All right. we uh, are some of the smartest people in the world. So our yeah, references true. and viewpoints go from the incredibly obscure to the unreasonably broad. Sometimes we say something you might not know about. We like to revisit it here in a section we like to call Getting to Know Your Podcast. And this week, I believe it's come up a number of times, the moments when you've been walking through a video store, which could probably use its own uh, Getting to Know Your Podcast, because there are many people right now that do not know what a video store is. People that are of drinking age who've maybe never been in a video store. I don't know. Could that be... Could that be the case? I think so. Yeah. If you're of drinking age, yeah, could you have never yeah. been in a video store? Oh, yeah. It's Easily. like Redbox, but it was a whole store. Yeah. Right? But uh, back in those days before the internet, before streaming, you would uh, you would go to your video stores and um, and uh, before and before that. And I think even in some of the big corporate stores like Blockbuster that were all over the place, that fucking sucked. And I'm glad that that show failed about Blockbuster yeah. video because fuck yeah. celebrating that piece of shit fucking store. It was the mom and pop video stores that were the rage, but you'd be walking through and there'd be sections and maybe you'd stumble into the horror or possibly the cult classic section. And you as a young kid would look at a black video cassette box with a skull in the middle and oh, it would no. stay atop faces of you think to yourself what is this and it would say under it experience the graphic reality of death close up and then you'd read a little further on it and i say warning this feature contains graphic depictions of death dismemberment dismember pit (laughs) actually that would be a good name for a horror movie the dismember pit yeah, oh, that would be a good name. But yeah. the, but this would say uh, um, uh, depictions of death, dismemberment, physical cruelty, human. I can't read this because the box is so old. Uh, <laughs> it's not to be viewed by children, the elderly, or the squeamish. Ooh. Faces of death, and it would also say this was the big selling point. Uh-huh. Banned in forty-eight countries. What is this movie? What it was, was um, it was a Mondo horror film. They called it Mondo because, which I guess, I don't know what Mondo means other than it's usually connected to documentary at some point, like documentary style, uh, written and directed by John Allen Schwartz, credited under the pseudonym Conan Leclerc or Alan Black. Uh, The film shown in documentary like style centers on a pathologist named Francis be gross <laughs> francis be gross which i did not <laughs> it didn't occur to me as a kid when i eventually saw it. uh the narrator presents the viewer with a variety of footage of showing gruesome ways of people dying from a number of different sources some of the most iconic scenes were faked for the film while most of the film is pre-existing video footage of real deaths or the aftermath of death um it was received negative reviews it actually ran in theaters for a little oh, while wow. and oh, grossed that. over 35 million worldwide it gained a cult following mostly through like, video stores rentals faces of death came out in 1978 okay um which oh, okay. i had no idea that it had come out that early but it did like the whole like grindhouse circuit when it came out you know right. and it was you know uh drive-ins and 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 whatnot um but it, you know, it really got that 
that follow up years later. Um, I guess first off, let me just, I'll just say, uh, like my experience with faces of death was kind of, as I just described was, uh, going through, and this is probably, I was probably young enough when I first started seeing that video cover and thinking, well, what is this? This is, looks really scary. This looks really serious. Mm-hmm. This looks, um, uh, more, this looks over my head and it had the, you know, band in all the country. So I was not allowed to rent it, you know, I, at the time that I was still, uh, being driven to and fro from the video store with mm-hmm. my mom. And, um, but I would start to talk to kids, you know, this is like, this is like junior high, late, late grade school, junior high kid. I would start, I would, I would hear tales from other kids who had seen this thing and how crazy and disturbing and over the top it was. And, it, and these stories would fill me with even more fear of, I was, I was so afraid of what this might actually look like to watch. <laughs> and then of course, by the time that I actually could see it, I was not incredibly uh, it was very tense starting to watch it, but getting a little ways into it, I realized that this was not going to be the um, life-altering experience <laughs> that I had planned on it being. The uh, uh, right. I was not going to be ushered quickly into solemn, grim adulthood. That this was <laughs> not going to be my returning from Vietnam, a different <laughs> shell-shocked soldier. But nonetheless, it was it was something incredibly fascinating to me probably ended up seeing it sometime in high school i would i would assume what did, what did you guys have with faces of death i was curious it wasn't like you were a, seeing it for the first time wasn't the same as say being away to college for the first time hanging out in a dorm room and having somebody show you the graphic <laughs> footage of uh, a politician a disgraced politician shooting himself right our friend dwyer no but because by college you should be ready for things much worse than that. Right. 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 Like by what? college, by college, you're an adult. I don't know if you've seen, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen like the revenge of the nerds films, but <laughs> there, there's so many more experiences that uh-huh. are in much more intense than mm-hmm. seeing a piece of history by Bud Dwyer. I mean, and well, and if you're training to be an actor, does it, is there anything more real than, someone at their breaking point, seeing that person making that decision. I learned so much from looking in his eyes the moment Uh right before that happened. And then I learned a lot to looking at his eyes the moment afterwards. But at the moment after, obviously, the eyes were in different parts of the room. So you had to kind of look back and forth. Uh, You had a a raging heart on. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't raging. It was just... (laughs) No, I, I think I saw it and I'm sure this is an experience I'm sure you guys had as well and you might have been the benefactor of this but there was always that that one kid like whose who's, who's folks had split up and like when they split up when they were young and had like a really permissive mom who mm-hmm. just like whatever they like okay yeah and the kid was kind of always kind of a little bit of a jerk you really want to hang out with him that yeah. much because he kind of had everything he wanted why are you guys talking about me I'm not talking about you you paranoid guy and like and i'm just so, kidding my mom wasn't permissive no not at all and she was with me <laughs> oh michael <laughs> zing <laughs> i told you i will not call you dad <laughs> look some things are going to change around here kevin didn't your mom <laughs> let you hang out with a bunch of like adults and play role playing games, like isn't yeah, that? But they were mentally younger than I was. Yeah, that was dangerous. Oh. Was yeah, so that's dangerous. worse. I worked with them at Wendy's. Okay, well. <laughs> again, again, poor right. parenting. <laughs> this is more evidence for for Michael. No, I, it, and and so that yeah, I think I saw it when I was much too young. Piece of kids, mom. You know, is that what you want, honey? Okay, yeah, had for it. sure. And it was definitely like kind of the the kind of. Which I'm sure I probably leaned in, in a group of high school kids. I I would have leaned into the the fucked up weird kid. I definitely was in the kind of fucked up weird kid group. But I there was a way more fucked up weird kid that kind of scared me a little bit, you know. And that okay. was the kid that that was like that saved up all his money for a year to buy that tape or whatever <laughs> for eighty five bucks. Right, he had a copy of it had a copy of it. And like, I definitely like, you know, the, that, that weird thing of, and like, well, I'm going to go, you're going to go hang out over at his house to go see 
that said tape. And then, you know, when you're over there, you realize that it's, yeah, that, that weird thing of like, man, it's his parents let him do whatever he wants. And then when you're over there watching the tape in your young mind, start to kind of see the dark side of all that. Right. Of having a, a mom that you call by her first name. Yeah. That lets you do whatever she, whatever you want. You right. Know? Their room was almost like an apartment. It had a hot plate and a microwave and yeah, a, a totally. TV and a VCR. Totally. Yeah. She, you know, the kid that shares cigarettes with his mom. Yes. Yeah. That was also, you mentioned video stores and, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, I think, cause it's, Blockbuster, I think, sucked because it always looked so big, but it just it mm. stocked multiple copies of the same thing and then yeah. displayed them all individually. Right. They yeah. never had much, but then Payless Video, which was, I think, one of the better video stores ever. The Denton, mm-hmm. Denton, three locations in the greater yeah. Denton area. Yeah. they Everything was one display with multiple tags. Remember those, remember those right. little number yeah. tags? And they had all kinds of stuff. Yeah. The cult classic section is what really yeah. it was great. Video store employee, uh, this guy named Monty is the that's what like really was my my kind of schooling into like cool cool film and cool weird subculture stuff. Right. That shaped me into the man that I am today. The man that can watch Bud Dwyer at any given time. That's right. That watches Bud Dwyer commit suicide every night in order to fall asleep soundly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now I'll never have to pay for Viagra. (laughs) Uh, But uh, but Faces of Death, you know, it was so it was like a weird golden grail because. Um, I believe that it had the legend of it or the, mm. you know, the mystery of it had like probably made its way up to my parents of like, this is, and, and I thought the same thing is too, that this, this was a snuff film right. that was going to, that if you were, were you to watch it, your senses of everything would be shattered after the fact, you know, I, I bought hook, line and sinker every everything that was kind of described on that box cover. Right. I was so afraid to watch it that I remember being really, really tense when that hit play. Like, am I going to be okay in the next 60 minutes? Uh, And I absolutely was. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of it's fake. So the movie opens up on an operating table. An unnamed patient goes under open heart surgery and uh, titles run over the footage of fresh and rotten cadavers and footage of a complete organ, organ harvesting where the patient has received a heart, which is, it's just a medical thing, you know, like it's just medical footage of right. someone getting a heart transplant or whatever. Um, and then after cleaning himself up, you know, they cut to this guy cleaning himself up. Francis B. Gross states to the viewer that he has become interested with the transitional periods of life and death thanks to a reoccurring dream. He describes the dream as one that has featured a grotesque myriad of deaths. It wasn't a nightmare because his experiences as a surgeon allowed him to accept the events as they are. He's accrued footage either himself or from other parts of the world in an effort to understand and study the many faces of death. So then it kind of bounced around. I mean, it's really just kind of a jackass style collection of things getting killed. You know, the, the, the one that was really hard for me to watch was anything with, um, animals getting killed because that's the like monkeys. wasn't something. there a monkey thing well yeah there is there's yeah. a monkey thing which is apparently fake there's footage of a monkey right. being killed and its brain being eaten by guests at a banquet um but the thing with that, that was is, temple of doom well i think that i mean i think monkey temple brains. of doom was clearly inspired by yeah. the idea of something so gross that the brain was cauliflower and they just, you know, it was kind of just an editing thing that they they shot in a way to make it look like the monkeys was being killed. But apparently that, apparently that month, and I haven't, you know, part of me was like, it just came to me recently, and I actually might go back and rewatch this in order to have uh, a little bit more of a a take on this, a f- kind of a follow up, because I haven't seen. I haven't seen it in so many years. Like I remember seeing it that first time and it was just kind of like, uh, I was a little bit underwhelmed when I saw it. Uh, but then some of the actual deaths were stuff that I didn't like. There's a, there's a, there's a dog fight between two pit bulls, mm. but that was also uh, clever, clever editing. 
Okay. They weren't really killing each other. Uh, this guy, Alan A. Apone, was a makeup and special effects artist for the movie, saying about 40% of it's fake. And uh, the remaining footage is genuine. Um, most of the footage was bought from an excised German company. And there's a book written about it called Killing for Culture. And they say that the movie, the, the real parts include an extreme fatal accident. The shattered remains of cyclists are seen under a semi-tractor trailer. The camera pans long enough for the, you to see the paramedics scooping up blood clots, brain matter, and clumps of hair from the tarmac. And that's authentic. But stuff like, yeah, the monkey is not real. There's a segment where a guy jumps out of an airplane. He's a skydiver and uh, his chute doesn't work. And not only does the chute not work, but he lands in a puddle where he is or in, a, in a creek where he's eaten by alligators, which, I mean, the premise <laughs> right there much. alone is a little bit like, well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, obviously the, the movie is like a huge success and it is thought that, I don't know that it's ever been completely verified that, yeah, like that scene from Indiana Jones kind of came from Faces of Death. And it is the real starting point for what this kind of like death culture that is that, you know, you get from there, you get uh, Faces of Death 2, 3, there's, there's tons of sequels. They started making like these really blatant ripoffs called Traces of Death. Um, which mm -hmm. and it, at more mm -hmm. and more they start becoming less fake. It just starts getting easier and easier, and they start dropping the the parlances of having a pathologist named Francis B. Gross come out and explain right. what he's doing. You, it, it, it ends up being just kind of like it's just you know they stop having having narrators. Right. It's just no scene, no scene pretense scene of death. Just and then and then from there you know we get you know the internet comes out and they, they start mm -hmm. doing stuff like Fort with. Rotten.com right. is probably the, oh, the yeah. first purveyor of that. And and from there, 4chan. And obviously, all this stuff is anywhere. can be seen at any time. But it was such a secretive thing that you had to hide from your parents. It was hard to find back in the day. But it is really, I think, Faces of Death to me now is is the, the uh, patient zero of what becomes the the incel fucking weirdo okay. school shooter kid like it is yeah. it is the starting point kind of for all that stuff right. and obviously not everybody who sees that goes that route but everybody that goes that route has seen this or owes what come to that now i mean if this didn't exist a different version of it would you know there's yeah. no like banning this right there's still and especially in this day and age there's nothing that could happen i don't i don't hold any negative thing that's happened to anybody because of faces of death but you know it it, it definitely like i said the band and i don't know there was actually banned in 48 countries or that it was just a claim but it definitely was banned in the uk it was like right. the, UK had a thing that they called the video, nasties. video nasties, which the witch that who came from the sea was a video nasty. Oh, makes makes a lot of sense. Kevin's um, favorite movie for the listeners. That is not my that is not my favorite movie. My favorite movie. Mm -hmm. Not even in not even in the top one thousand. You just like some of the themes. Faces of Death often was kind of put in with heavy metal. You know, like the, the kind right. of the war on on heavy metal. There were a couple. A couple things like in November of eighty six, fourteen year old Rod Matthews. Uh, bludgeoned his classmate Sean Oliante to death with a baseball bat. Matthews claimed the idea to kill Oliante was conceived after he viewed Faces of Death as he was curious about what it would be like to actually kill someone. Of course, he'd shown signs of previous mental illness. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison, parole, eligibility in 15 years. He's been denied parole as of February 2022 for the fourth time. And then in 85, a mathematics teacher named Bart Schwartz showed his film to the class at Escondido High. What? And uh, which I wonder if I could track someone down who from Escondido who might actually know of that story. At, at oh, the, uh, that, yeah, that's that a story that gets around. Two of his students, Diane Freeze and Sherry Forget. Can you really be named Forget? I guess you can. Hey. They claimed that they were so traumatized by the film that they both quote unquote developed an unnatural fear of dying and suffered emotional distress. Kind of like some dipshits I went to college with. <laughs> <laughs> the families of the two girls sued the school district and received a combined hundred thousand dollar settlement. Oh yeah. 
I believe it. 57,000 for freeze and 42,000 for forget. The teacher was suspended from the school for 15 days without pay, but wasn't fired. <laughs> like he barely even got in trouble. I mean, I guess that's, that's wild. Um, yeah. I don't know. I wish somebody would show me something so scary that I could get paid a hundred thousand dollars for right. it. Well, I have, I have a question yeah. for okay. y'all about this okay. stuff. So, I think it sounds like we all at some point, I think independently, and I'm sure all of us, I'm sure if we really, if we had a, a hundred, hundred percent accurate wayback machine, mm-hmm. we have seen some of this stuff in the same room, but just generally things like faces of death. And yeah, I remember the sequels and certainly rotten.com, which was, was probably the first one, you know, Mike, you've talked about, they just started to drop any kind of like, Oh, we, this is, this is because it's interesting to see these things yeah. and it's, it's for some sort of study or it's a documentary. It was just like, no, look at this fucked, fucked up, up image, thing. right? Yeah. Right. There is a point like, I, and I don't know exactly where that dividing line is, but like, for instance, I know, and I'm not encouraging anyone to look at this stuff because you do get certain imagery. Rock hard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, I'm like, uh, like all those videos of like people getting beheaded, right? Like I I have no interest in seeking those out at all. Right. And I don't know. And I, I'm pretty convinced that as a younger person, I'm, I would have just because it would have been this, like I, it would have been the same allure as faces of death or all that stuff anyway. Right. There's this thing out there that you're not supposed to see Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't see. And -and so-and-so saw it. And they had nightmares or so-and-so saw it and it was the coolest thing ever. Or yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I'm wondering if, if you have an identifiable line or if you still do achieve some sort of sexual gratification, still seek that stuff out. I don't know. No, I can sexually achieve with um, <laughs> just a maiming, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now I will say, I will say, I do think, and I, I don't know if I, if it, it is wrong for me to gender this, but I do think that there is a, and only because I knew a lot of adolescent boys who went through the same thing and I didn't know any adolescent girls, which maybe is anecdotal, but I feel like there is this adolescent of a certain type of boy of like, I need to see a bunch of this stuff. And then you snap out of it. There's like, you know, there's, there's an age where you're like, cause I think I talked about that with the rotten.com of like clicking on that and going like, Oh, I don't need to see any of this ever again. Mm -hmm. But there was a thing of like, there's this thing that's being kept from me and I want to see it and it's still fucked up. And I don't, I don't. And then once you've seen for me, once I saw a couple of those things, not that I enjoyed seeing them at all. It was more of just kind of a, you know, some sort of adolescent self-taught trial by fire of some Rubicon that I felt like I'd crossed or whatever. But right, I was going to say an adolescent's merit badge almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, totally. Like, like I don't, yeah, I don't need none, none of this is doing any, anything good and not, but also not particularly harming me either, you know, but not, not certainly not helping. I feel like that's a thing that's probably fairly universal that all, okay kids are gonna you know especially guys and probably some gals too but definitely like boys are like have some kind of you know thing that they they feel like they need to see I, yeah i mean i think a lot of being an adolescent boy is really like i have to push beyond whatever boundaries are placed on me because i know they're arbitrary i think kind of extreme material is a big part of that yeah and and mike i, I think you're right i think anecdotal is the word our familiarity with adolescent girls while we were adolescent boys is i'm sorry to say not as complete as we would have liked at the time so yeah i mean yeah it's it's i don't know yeah. i'm guessing that it, it looked different certainly when we were kids just because there was still a great divide but well i and i, I and i i'm definitely putting it on that like blood and guts death yeah. stuff you yeah. know i mean i definitely um, now know women who when they were that age tell me like oh yeah that, i couldn't get enough of that stuff but right, i didn't yeah. i certainly didn't at the time and if i had i would have been like mortified i would have been terrified of that you know girl and i don't know and i don't know if if that if any of that looks the same now there's got to be a very young age where you realize that 
maybe you don't know where to find it or type it in, but that like all that stuff is readily available because, you know, part, part of the thing with faces of death was like, man, they got it at this one video store and I don't know how to like, it's, it's an R rated movie, so I can't rent it. Um, right. You know, cause they don't rent to like kids or whatever. This is cause this is back like in the junior high grade school days, you know, like they're not going to rent it to me. I'm, my mom's never going to rent it for me. Right. Maybe there's one kid whose mom might rent it for us, or but I got to figure out a time or older brother, but I got to yeah. figure out if I can stay the night at their house. And it also has to be not rented when we get there yeah. or there's some kind of a plot or a scheme to like, you know, trick a mom to like get you we're gonna rent like 10 movies and just kind of sneak that one that tab into the in the old days when they had little uh little tags like sneak Uh that tag in there and hope she doesn't notice or you know there's there's a whole there's a whole uh quest set around it there's a whole uh what do you call it? Hero's journey set around getting to see that. And I don't know, maybe, maybe seeing that stuff is far less interesting when you're like, Oh yeah, I can just, I can press three buttons on the, on the thing that my mom gives me. I can, I can just, I can type guy getting gored to death by a bull. I can type that at any time and see it at any time that I want. Maybe there's no need, there's no need to see it when you, can see it anytime you want. It's when just it, less yeah, it, it, it is. It definitely among the handful of things that like was readily available in society and just out of reach. Right. And yeah. so, it, you know, I, I don't think, I think that's what made it so tempting is it was, you were so close to it. And some kid at school who probably, who'd also been to the whole house could tell you scene by scene about mm. it. And you just, you could see the box and you just couldn't quite get to what was inside the tape. Well, and I think it, you know, it really did lead way to the uh, the found footage kind of thing. Oh, yeah. There's really it is it is a little little bit of a, a weird little blip for a proliferation of kind of like you know edge lord culture. I would say I would yeah. say it's the granddaddy of all edge lord yeah. things. Yep. And uh, and and less edge lord of just like ah oh, like found footage you know borrows a lot of kind of style and stuff for it and apparently they are working on a faces of death remake but it looks like it's kind of it's made by people who've made like legit stuff so i imagine it'll be sort of a a fictionalized i know if i were to make a faces of death movie it would be all about kids trying to see the movie faces of death oh that would be good yeah um, or about the the kid who who has the sudden cachet of seeing it and not being bothered by it and like yeah. how, how, how cool they feel like that makes them and just yeah. how horribly uncool. They I are certainly, I think, you know, and this probably bleeds over to the, there was, there was a sense of like, I'd seen something that other people my age right. hadn't yeah. seen and weren't, there was a sense of, uh, I don't know if superiority, but like, uh, uh, I've I've experienced something that you 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 all haven't, you know. Isn't it the stand by me? Hey, there's a dead body in the woods thing. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a thing, as they say wisely yeah. to end a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So all I can say is, uh, if you're looking for uh, if you're looking for any kind of medical help, don't go to Francis B. Gross. Sounds <laughs> like a garbage pail kid. <laughs> <laughs> So, that wraps up another week of the International News Service. Find us across social media at International News Pod. Email us at internationalnewspod at gmail.com. As I think you all know, when we took this INS hosting job, we were sworn in on a copy of the Constitution, the Bible, and Doctor Strange number one. (laughs) Check out the INS merch store at Redbubble and our Patreon, and don't forget to check out our subreddit at r slash inspod. We'll see you next week. By the eye of Agamotto. Thank you for listening to the International News Service. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. INS, the news you need.